0: Hello, AfterBuzz fans, and hello,
2: Public Morals fans. I'm Roxy Stryer, and I am just about the most excited person in the entire world right now. Uh, other than me being excited, though, I know my panel... Can't Tina
1: Kapp be excited? Yeah,
3: my whole panel is very excited, so I'm here with Christina Kaplan. Hey, guys. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter, at Tina Kapp. With Phils Tech.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Excited to be here.
2: And the most important person that we have calling in for this very special episode, we have Edward Burns on the line, creator and star himself. We're so excited to have you.
4: Hello. Uh, hey, guys. How are you?
2: <laughs> we're, we're doing okay. As I
4: told you, I'm very excited to be here as well
2: well it's nice to know thank you so much for your support all through this season uh, we we love that you were that you were watching and tweeting with us because we were certainly watching your show and gosh we love it so much
4: um well thank you and it was it, it's been a lot of fun for me to to listen every week um and sort of hear what you guys are digging about the show what maybe confused you but i have to admit um I loved all the predictions and if we're lucky enough uh, to get a second season there's actually a couple of things I wrote down where I didn't even think about going in that direction where I was like oh that's a pretty good idea I should uh, make a note of that so Oh my gosh uh, that's uh, so, so exciting that.
1: Any any particulars of uh, that? that any in particular stuff that really stood out in terms of like oh I can't believe these these guys are thinking that or saying that or I totally never you know You know
4: I remember early on, you know, you guys made a connection between the fact that, you know, James got a tr- uh, got in trouble at school and the fact that uh, Fortune claimed to be a teacher. And you guys went on a little sort of riff about w- what you thought I was trying to say about teachers or education or school. I thought that was interesting. I think somebody had a, a prediction about Rusty and his father and how that might turn out maybe a couple of weeks ago, yeah, um, which... Um, was pretty spot on. Oh. Um, yeah, there were a few. There were, uh, there were a couple of a couple of moments where um, I was happy that you guys sort of you you clearly recognized a little bit of the the pipe we laid or some of the foreshadowing we did, and then but other things that I really uh, you know you so, you can be so close to the ma- the material uh, that um, some things that you guys thought, well that's pretty obvious that we're so close that we didn't see so. Um, uh, very informative. It's, it's interesting because we do a lot of over
2: analyzing here. Uh, so we come up with some crazy predictions and it's nice to hear that some of them might be giving you ideas. And I know that we were here crossing our fingers for season two. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you because you already have a thought process on, st- uh, on season two. You came out and you talked a little bit about it, uh, that we might be going to the Lower East Side and we might be seeing some of, some of my people, the Jewish
4: gangsters. Uh, how,
2: how far into planning that are you right now?
4: So, you know, it's interesting. When we were in the editing room, um and you're you know you're you're living with these characters every day all day long and you're sort of seeing how the whole how this whole you know 10 hour story is laying out you know like you guys or like any fan of the show you sort of start to fall in love with certain characters and storylines and so while I was in the editing room I just started mapping out season 2 and I even wrote uh 5 episodes uh, that said, you know, we haven't officially gotten our pickup for season two, so I decided to stop writing until I get the um, uh, the official word. Uh, but the interesting thing that I should tell you guys is, you know, um, the last couple of scripts um, were a little long. So what ended up happening in the editing room is we have a full finished 11th episode. <gasps> Um, where you see what happens between Muldoon and Rusty, and that, and that sort of comes to uh, not, you know, it's still a little bit of a cliffhanger, but um, we find he and I finally go toe to toe. Um, and uh, TNT decided to hold on to that episode to be the first episode of season two. So, if anybody was sitting there watching the episode last night saying, oh, I can't believe you didn't give us this or resolve that. Um, some of those things were resolved but now you're gonna have to wait till uh next season.
2: Okay, we're kind of losing our minds in here over this right now. So you're telling me that you you have an 11th episode. So the way that we saw because of course we're we're now 10 season, uh 10 episodes in, we've seen everything. We ended and I was kind of it was a kind of weird ending for this. Um it wasn't necessarily what I thought it would be. I really enjoyed it, but I was like there's so many questions. You're telling me that those questions have answers already. Those answers are out there.
3: I just can't see them yet.
4: Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you're going to have to wait a year or so Or whatever it is, eight
3: months A year? I don't. I honestly cannot wait a year <laughs> I, I, I told everyone About this show Because first, we'll have to tell you How we actually started Decided to do the after show Is We all did the after show for ABC's Revenge And we wanted to stay together as a panel And Phil over here was like Oh, there's this great new show on TNT Coming out called Public Morals And I was like, what? I had never heard of it I had no idea so we kind of went into it with a very Open blank mind. slate. We had no idea what to expect. And we all fell in love. And we've literally, I, I'm, I think I speak for everyone to say that we've promoted your show so much to everyone. And my dad is obsessed. Everyone that I know. Family. Yeah, everyone that I know that has watched it just loves it. So I can't imagine that there's not going to be a second season.
1: Especially if you have the first episode. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're
4: we're already, you know, uh, $5 million under budget on season two. Wow. You know, if you look at it that way. Yeah, exactly, because you, uh, already, you already used that Phil, budget. But, uh, thank you for, for giving the heads up and uh, getting these guys into it. Because I know, like, you know, you guys and doing this, I, I've definitely heard from people on uh, Twitter and Facebook that I turned on to the podcast who then turned their friends onto it. And then I started to hear from people who clearly – you know, fans of you guys who got wise to the show because they they must have listened to what you guys did with Revenge. So, um,
1: well, we uh, love, two we way love street there. We love supporting good people. I mean, that that really is the spirit of AfterBuzz. And
4: you make it
2: easy. It's a it's a great show. It's easy to support, and now it will be even easier to support a season two when it does happen because you wrote five episodes and you also already have one episode that's canned. So it's like you have six episodes already. In your mind, and one of them's actually there. I just, yeah. I, I can't believe that. Would you picture it being another ten episode season if you if you do get picked up, or do you know how you could see that working out?
4: Uh, yeah, I think ideally it would be somewhere between ten and thirteen. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I in in writing that first season, um, I kind of created this you know, a Bible of, you know, uh, characters and stories that I wanted to explore. Uh, some were sort of the overarching, like, season-long stories, and some were sort of the, you know, the three-episode uh, short stories, and and then there were these other sort of one-episode vignettes. Um, but uh, so I, I went into it with probably three seasons' worth of material, and then it was just a matter of kind of alright let's let me just uh, extract from that the the stuff i'm most passionate about my favorite stuff and and i'll start there um but it's interesting you know uh with 10 episodes you can uh lay pipe for and introduce characters that um you know that we knew we weren't going to pay off until season 2 you know like lieutenant king's nephew um uh, he's mentioned in the pilot. he's brought up again in episode six, and then last night in the finale, we set up the fact that, oh, you know, he's gonna be the new member in the public morals office uh, next season. And we laid a hint last night that one of the guys in the public morals office is on the way out. know, um, uh, so all of that kind of stuff, and everything, you know, if you watch, you know, when you see season two, and you find out who gets bumped out of the office. When you go back and watch season one, you'll see that it, you know, that thread was in there, and we were sort of laying like very little uh, subtle hints throughout the season, setting up that one guy to fill.
1: Let me ask you. Let me ask you this, because you know, I remember when I first saw the, you know, episode one, the pilot, it was almost. For an audience member, it was relentless in the fact that the dialogue was so fast and everything was coming at you so fast, and you know you had to put a lot of you know you yourself had to put a lot of faith into the audience that they could keep up and obviously, I think they have you know I certainly did, but um, you know did you ever doubt yourself in the you know as you 're doing that um, to well we got to slow down certain things we got to maybe hit them a couple more times you know what because like I said, that first episode was lightning fast and You know, in writing, they also tell you uh, whatever your pilot is, you know, write it as if it's episode three instead, so that way you're into the story. I felt like you picked episode ten and started there.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I got a bunch of thoughts on that. I mean, one is, it's funny, the only thing I ever doubted was when I started to listen to you guys, and you were having trouble keeping the name straight, because you said, they got a first name, they got a last name, they got a nickname. Um, and I started to think oh maybe I should have just given them one name that they were called by.
2: No, we got there um, though. We got there. It was more realistic. You got you guys got the hang of it. Yeah.
4: <laughs> but the thing that that I the thing that I wanted to do with it was um uh, and and it's a, it's a long answer. So it's like uh I it had to feel authentic. And I you know like I wanted uh you know like New Yorkers tend to to talk really fast and uh, I wanted it to be very conversational, and you know, uh, I love like you know Robert Altman films where there's a lot of overlapping dialogue, and I knew that there would be a lot of bits of dialogue that the audience would miss. Um, anything that had to do with a let's say a more strategic plot point, I, I tried. I tried to make sure that that was a moment where there was uh, a breath, but there were some other things where I wanted the audience to just get a a uh it was more atmospheric dialogue than it was oh i need you to catch everything that they're saying you know some of it was hey i'm in a room with four cops they're talking about five different things uh the things that are important you're you were we highlighted the other stuff that was sort of the the playful banter to put you in the room were things that i was fine if you couldn't quite follow everything uh, so that was definitely a, you know a conscious effort on my part to uh, To make it feel authentic. Um, the other thing about the pilot, though, which was interesting, is you know when we you know when we were shooting the pilot uh, before we, we before we shot it, you know you get notes from the network about certain things that they would like to have in there, which will give them the um, the best version of uh, you know like what the show will be, so that they can I guess uh, sell it or justify picking it up. And so there were things like, well, you know, we need a we need another sort of action set piece because, so oh, can you give us a foot chase? So you put that in there, and then oh, there's a little um, it's a little confusing as to whether or not Obannon is a cop. So we put a new scene in where we see him in the precinct, and there were those types of things, you know, like with killing Mister O. Uh, there was, well, you know, maybe we need one more scene with Mister O. So we have a little better sense of who he is. Um, given that we're going to kill him off and the whole sort of the rest of that first season is going to sort of, uh, that that his murder kind of triggers a lot of what goes on. So with those things, so your pilot episode, you know, our locked version of that and, and the version that got tested and the version we got picked up uh, off of was probably seven minutes longer than the one that aired. Wow. So then what you have to do is you have to kind of go back into that and I was able to extract two scenes and figure out a way I could write them into later episodes. But that still left us maybe about four minutes long. So what we had to do was kind of cut out a lot of the breathing space that existed in that episode. And I think that's why you, you probably felt like, oh my God, this is like rapid fire. We're just getting a ton of information. Um, you I know, like... I, I hope if we do get the second season, I'd love to go back into the pilot and restore it to the, the the longer version and have that available to people on iTunes or on DVD. That
3: would be awesome. I have to say I watched almost every episode twice because I felt like there was so much that happened each time and so many different storylines. And I have to say you really, a lot of the times I feel like in shows when there are so many storylines and so many characters, some of the the storylines kind of, don't they don't develop as well or they don't get the you know um attention attention that they really deserve and i felt like you guys did a great job at really developing every single storyline in an interesting unique way giving it the attention that it needed was there a certain storyline obviously you gotta love terry and christine's dynamic in the family but was there another storyline that was probably like one of your favorites of the season
4: um, you know, I love Bowman and Fortune. Um, mm. and, uh, what happens to them, uh, in season two, uh, takes a turn I don't think that folks would anticipate. Um, you mean Charlie and Stacy? I... <laughs> <laughs> we, we've got <laughs> multiple names, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Charlie and Stacy. A funny thing about the fact, you know, we, you know, we call her Fortune. And nobody caught this at all in in script form, but in maybe it was episode eight when Charlie and Stacy go to dinner with Stacy's mom. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, in that scene, in the script, Stacy's mom referred to her daughter by her hooker name Fortune. <laughs> you know, because she's called Fortune in all the scripts. So the actress said to me, "I, I don't know that the mom would be calling her Fortune." in this scene. That's so funny. Given that that's her hooker name. Not, um, but anyway. That's hysterical. Uh, but uh, the big storyline that um, uh, that's one of my favorites, that uh, I re- we kind of ran out of real estate, um, was Bernadette's character and um, her relationship with Moose and Latucci. Uh, that's one that I really feel like I only got an opportunity to scratch the surface of of uh, where I'm going with that. And then uh, Kane. I mean, uh, that was a character that um, was a smaller part of the story um, uh, initially. And then when I cast um, Aaron, who I know you guys had on the show, mm-hmm. he was great. Uh, I just kind of, I really fell in love with him, what he was doing with the character. And um, really just started to, as you can tell, had a lot of fun with that Kane character. So that's the, and also, you know, I mean, Neil McDonough's performance is rusty. Um, you know, that was another favorite of mine. And given that Neil plays such a great homicidal lunatic, we started to just even have a little bit more fun with that stuff with the strangling in the tub and then taking the slip and giving the slip to Kay and um, yeah, so I mean it's you know, it's one of those situations you kind of in a way, you know they're they're all your babies, so you kind of you, you end up falling in love with all of these storylines.
2: And there's only so much... You have to, I think. Yeah, of, of course, and there's only so much time to tell the story you want to tell. You talk about uh, running out of real estate or notes from the network as you're being tested, and I'm curious because you are known for being a low-budget, micro-budget, no-budget filmmaker, uh, and you always kind of had to live by your own rules, and there wasn't that many people that you needed to compromise with. Now you have this show on a major network, and it's a huge success, and I, I want to hear a little bit about how that process was for you, and what compromises you did have to make or that you didn't have to make?
4: Uh, You know, this was kind of a, uh, you know, a charmed experience uh, for all of us. I mean, to start with, you know, uh, Steven Spielberg, who I've known um, and has been, you know, something of a mentor since Saving Private Ryan. I gave him the script, uh, you know, a couple of summers ago as I was getting ready to pitch it to TNT. Uh, he reads the script and i'm I'm hoping he'll give me some notes instead he says, "Look, I love this, I want to help you get it made. Why don't uh, we come on as executive producers so the minute you have Steven as an executive producer you're you're pretty sort of uh, well protected um, that said, uh you know TNT is looking to uh, pivot a little bit and, and move in a different direction with their network and, and trying to do, let's say, um, uh, you know, more serious dramas, you know, more uh, like, a, uh, just be like, I'll just say, that, serious dramas. And um, so they were nothing but supportive. I mean, really gave us full creative control. You know, the only notes we got were very minimal, but they were also in keeping with the story I was trying to tell. I never got any notes that that were, were trying to sort of change the course of uh, the story or change the tone of the piece. Um, they let me cast whoever we wanted to cast. And then most importantly, I was able to hire all of my department heads, you know, my mm. director of photography, my costume designer, my production designer, my, you know, my uh, location child, my editor. Um, so I was able to work with my indie film team, and the reason I think that the show looks the way it does, you know, I mean, it looks like a movie, it doesn't look like a TV show, is because none of us had worked in television. So we just said, okay, you know, this is a this is a nice big budget we have. Um, we know how to make movies. Let's just make a 10-hour long movie and, and approach it that way. So um, uh, really, as far as compromises, none. The only thing I had to learn how to do, which was different, was... You know, how do you write in a five-act structure and then how do you write towards the end of an episode? You know, how do you create sort of the, the cliffhanger in order to, to entice the audience to uh, show up the following week? Or now, fortunately, now that it's all available on iTunes, uh, now it's sort of like the ultimate binge experience. You know, like, uh, I think we did a good job. Like, when an episode ends, you're gonna say, "Okay, I'll watch the next one right now."
1: So that oh, well, was. Sort of it seemed like for a long time it was, uh, you know, it was just a death by Rusty.
3: Yeah, every episode. Uh,
4: that yeah. was
1: the cliffhanger. <laughs> that was that was your structure.
3: <laughs> it's not a um, okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think.
4: wanted to see? I guess Christine. Yeah, her crying. crying. Uh, that was sort of the first episode where, um, where Rusty it didn't end with Rusty whacking somebody. <laughs>
1: that was a nice departure. Um, was that episode six, correct or seven? No, no.
4: That's I think it's episode. Uh, is that ladies' night? Oh, no, so it's, it must be episode five. It's about the halfway okay. point.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I thought that she did an amazing job. I love those, um, more silent, but moments where, where we see the character struggle. And that's kind of where we're left in the season finale. Uh, we, we have this big struggle between the people that you say it's one of your favorite storylines. It's definitely one of my favorite storylines with Charlie, uh, and Fortune as he looks at her and we're thinking this whole season he might be in love with her and he calls her a whore and, and walks out. I know we were all wondering, what were you thinking when you wrote that, and and how did you come to that place? How did you decide that was going to be the way, and is this the last that we see of the
4: relationship? Um, That line where he says, uh, you know, um, originally in the script it says, I'm sorry, I don't sleep with whores. That's such a tough moment.
1: I mean, I, I, li- I like those moments, and I, you know, uh, t- to the realness of it, um, you know, it's funny because obviously the rest of my panel is, is all females. Um,
2: Shout out to uh, Anna Koppel, Koppel for Mayor, who, that's right. who would really like to be here right now.
1: And I, and I, 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 I love those moments because uh, they're, they're such real guy moments. I mean, especially w- when your manhood gets tested in that way by other men of like, hey, are you doing this? This is bad, you know, whether for your career or your friendship. Those are the things that, you know, you, you, you would do.
2: Mm-hmm. And they're, they're and you constantly... Just,
1: it's not what you mean by an, a, any stretch of the imagination. It's certainly, you know, that's the exact opposite of what he wants to say. He wants to say, like, hey, let me take the day off and we'll go to the park.
2: Mm-hmm. But... How did you feel about that ending, Christina, when when that is... She walks out on her and we've been speculating all season.
3: Um, I kind of... I, I don't know, I was, we have been speculating all season that they would get together or, or end up together but I also kind of felt like that was too much of a low-hanging fruit for this show to have them end up happily after, ever after. Right. Um, I I like what they did. I'm I'm glad, I like what Ed did. I'm glad that he, that Charlie did say no to her but I feel like this is not a a hard no i think that if there is a second season which hopefully there will be like like we said um i think that charlie might change his tone and everybody at home just so you guys know we will be doing a
2: full recap of uh, episode 9 and 10 we will be doing that tomorrow night with brian who plays shay uh he'll be calling in so you definitely will get our thoughts on that
1: and that's because you support our amazing sponsors, DraftKings, with the promo code BUZZ, B-U-Z-Z. Um, and if you're wondering why we haven't talked to Ed in a bit, uh, it's because uh, the call got dropped. Yeah, we're- As we know, Ed is a busy man. We're getting back um, but to We're, him. we're, we're working on it. Yeah. He's in New York
3: City, so who knows what happened in that long chain. <laughs>
2: Maybe he's gone back to the 1960s. Uh, I'm loving a lot of the stuff that he's talking about though. First of all, a sense of this world, like everybody talking so quickly. It's very true about New Yorkers and, um, I'm, I'm really curious to see what that additional seven minutes would do for the pilot if they do end up releasing it that would be absolutely crazy uh and also the one person being on their way out we've speculated all season long that it's vince so you know what do you guys think Does it sound like that could be him for now or
3: what do you think well when he said we've been kind of threading in little hints throughout the season my first initial thought was pd mac And the only reason I thought of that was because of the whole suit thing where they kept that. That's the one standout um, point or standout interaction between the guys and him that I can remember them really kind of, you know, calling him out and stuff. But I feel like if we go back and watch now that we have that hint, maybe there's something else that we missed. Just because I feel like Vince, again, like I said before with charlie and the fortune thing i think the vince being um you know being the one on the way out is a low-hanging fruit too i think that they're trying to make us think that that's what's happening but i don't think he's going to be the one that's
1: out I, i think the fun is more in the fact that it should have been vince it probably is vince but now we're just like us they in their own minds are speculating so until you have that answer of is it me or is it not? Now all of a sudden you start questioning your own self of like, like Charlie's doing. What right I, now. Exactly. And 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 you now will start to make stupider decisions. That's
2: the problem. They're all making rash moves because they think they might be the one. The only one who isn't questioning his place is Terry. Yeah. So that will be really, really interesting to see. Um I I can't wait and I can't wait to to find out about the one I episode.
1: We, I think we have Ed back. Edward.
2: You hey guys come back! Oh, oh great! <laughs> uh, we we just were going over. That. That's okay. We're just going over some of the um, amazing tidbits that you've given us, uh, and anticipating who is going to be the person who's on their way out the door. Uh, we have our own predictions uh, based on the fact that you said that you've been dropping hints all season. I think that uh, it's Vince, and you guys are thinking that it might be Charlie and other people. I mean,
3: I I thought once you said that. Um, my initial thought was that it's PD Mac, and the only reason I thought that was because the first thing that popped into my mind was the whole kind of busting him for the having the cheap suits and always they always kind of are giving him crap. I don't know if that's if you can even hint at if I'm close or <laughs> if I'm very far away from what might happen. I wish we could see his face um, so we could read it.
4: Uh, all I'll say is this: is that in the. um in the first episode, or I guess it would be the second episode of season two, uh, Joe Hanson, the captain, brings me and Lieutenant King together and uh, wants our opinions on uh, who should go. Mm. Um, uh, and I'll say of those three names that you mentioned, um, two of them are names that are discussed in that bow Interesting. Well, I
2: can't picture Terry throwing Charlie under the bus just saying he's had a problem with the way that everything's been handled with moose. Uh, so, you know, I, I could really picture, I, I think I got this one. You might have it too, Christina. I hope so. <laughs> it, it's tough to tell. It, it really is. And I think that's what makes a great show, the fact that there are so many different options and, and storylines. Um, you mentioned the fact that you wrote an 11th episode and that we didn't really get to see much of the Bernadette uh, Moose storyline. Was that in the 11th episode uh, or season two, episode one?
4: Uh, yeah, season two. Well, yeah, no, so uh, Bernadette and, and Moose and what happens there. Um, and you know, she has that. And I think you guys even predicted it when she said Moose or Vince says to her, So what you want to be a gangster? And she says, until something better comes along. That's kind of where we go with her in season two. She goes to her uncle and she says, Look, I don't know why you're, you're you place so much faith in Sergio. He's an idiot. Um, you know, why, why not give me a little room here? Um, and, uh, so she'll have a lot to do next season. But that, that 11th episode really, it, it sort of, it goes deeper into the Sean and Deirdre situation. Um, and, and what's going to happen with those guys. It also has a, a giant sort of nine minute flashback that shows you what happened in the bar the night with Mr. O, Rusty, and the two Huckers. And, why rusty uh, wanted to kill mr l and you guys um called that very early you guys got got the reason for um why he did what he did
2: well you dropped amazing hints about it i, I can't believe we're gonna get a nine minute flashback if if we get a season two yeah. which which i'm hoping that we do but are we- is that something we can expect to see more of flashbacks isn't really a territory that we've ventured into too much so far
4: i you know i, I quite honestly i don't know I don't know you know when um, when we shot it uh, I loved it and I thought oh this is this is fun maybe I should incorporate more of this and what it would allow me to do is um, I thought it might be fun to explore you know what was the relationship like between Tim Hutton Kevin Corrigan And, um, Aaron Dean Eisenberg's character, Kane. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you guys were like, well, which one is his best friend? And (laughs) what, what, what what was sort of the hierarchy or the relationship between Mr. O Corrigan and, um, Aaron's character? So I thought, uh, and that was one of those things where I thought, oh, you know, actually that might be something interesting for me to explore, um, through flashback. And then also I thought it would be interesting to take a look at, you know, what was the relationship like between Kay and Mr. O? Um that said, I you know, um uh, through those first five episodes I haven't written any flashbacks yet. So
2: I think those could all be um, very they could all be very interesting, but one of the storylines and, and what exactly happened in the past that I'm curious about is with the Duffies. Um and with Father Duffy and we we learn a little bit about that. I'm extremely invested in Deirdre's character. Uh and I, I noticed that she had some similarities to an early film that you made, your first uh, brothers McMullen, she kind of reminded me of your character, as she's so non-committal and and not interested in in tying the knot as as you weren't at first. Is there any uh, did you draw from your character at all in in creating hers?
4: Um, I didn't, but you know that's the kind of stuff that um, you know clearly is sort of working in your subconscious mind because oh, yeah. even the idea. As you say that, you know, Deirdre wants to be a writer. You know, she's going to be put in a situation where potentially, you know, her relationship gets in the way of her pursuing that dream, which I think is something that my character dealt with in Brothers McMullen. Mm -hmm. Um, So clearly, you know, that's something at work um, uh, with me. But uh, yeah, I mean, Deirdre O'Bannon and Duffy have a lot to do in season two um and Keith Nobbs who plays Duffy there's a perfect example of a guy who who came into audition was so great that part of Duffy uh wasn't near was, was sort of a really a, just a uh, a small part um originally and just because I loved Keith um uh so much and what he was doing I kept giving him more and more stuff to do and then that final scene he has with Deirdre where he comforts her on the couch uh, there was a whole other side to to his acting that I hadn't seen before. So um, Keith gets a lot more to do uh, in season two. Um, basically, Deidre um, comes to my character and says, hey, uh, I, I, I hate to ask you the favor, but would you mind seeing if you could help out my brother? And uh, I won't tell you how he does that, but uh, uh, Muldoon does a little something to hopefully get Duffy on, on a different
1: path let me let me ask you this as we expand into you know more of this stuff um, will you be comfortable with others writing and directing some of these episodes um, because I mean it, you're certainly ambitious in that way and it, you know but, but I wanted to ask like are you ever going to kind of relinquish at least a little bit in that regard like let's say Steven Spielberg wanted to direct an episode uh,
4: be- if Steven did absolutely anybody <laughs> else no <laughs> um, I think that's fair, and and the reason is, um, I, you know, I just I love it too much. You know, I mean, I, I this story, the the idea of a period cop movie and a Hell's Kitchen gangster story, um, are two different passion projects that I tried to get uh, different um, uh, different versions of these made um, over the years as feature films, and for a number of different reasons couldn't get either either project made. Uh, so when we got the green light on this, you know there were conversations about well, what about hiring some writers and doing a writer's room. Um, I, I just I, oh, just for very selfish reasons, like I didn't want to share it. Um, I knew that the workload uh, would not be um, uh, I knew that I could handle the workload because I, 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 I love writing. It's never been torturous for me. I have some friends who um, are novelists, you know, who write um, crime novels, uh, and you know they they knock out a crime novel once a year. You know, like uh, you know, my my buddy isn't John Grisham, but you look at you know John Grisham or guys like that. It's one a year, and I was like, I can write a novel a year. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I I have that work ethic. So I looked at those ten episodes and I wrote it the same way you would sit down and write a novel. And I imagined each episode ending the same way you would end a chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of my approach from the writing. And um, fortunately for me, I had enough time, I had almost five months, to get those 10 episodes done. So by the time we went into production, I was no longer writing. Everything was done. Um, you know, I might do some rewriting, I might write an additional scene, or cut a scene and come up with something else to replace it. But for the most part, the 10 episodes were done. So then... Um, you know, when it when it came time to decide whether or not uh, I would direct all of them, uh, again, you know, it's uh, coming from the indie film world and especially the micro budget film world. Um, you know, it's very difficult to get those movies made, and you know, a lot of times you're doing 12 different jobs. You know, like you're setting up lights and you're loading uh, uh, the camera and the equipment into the van. Um, you know, so you're, you're so much of your day is spent doing Things other than actually directing and making your movie, um, so that when I finally got the opportunity to have a budget, have all the the toys at my disposal, um, uh, and and we we're, were able to cast you know these incredible actors, just for very selfish reasons, I did not want to stand on the sidelines.
2: I don't think that's um, selfish from, at all. I don't think it's selfish okay. at all. I, I think that we would be devastated if you did stand on the sidelines. I think that this is one man's very clear vision, which is why the show is so incredible and successful. Uh, you, Because you have written every episode and you are the creator and the director and the star of the show, this show knows exactly what it's doing. Uh, and there's, there's no confusion about that. And it, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you talk about, the fact that you think that you've almost been in pre-production for the show for 20 years because this is not a new concept. To you, this is something you've been working on for a really long time. Uh,
1: I, think, I think it has to be. I mean, this is uh, this is unprecedented, to my knowledge. I mean, Vince Gilligan with Breaking Bad, he didn't write every single episode. Like I, and he certainly didn't star in any episodes. You know what I mean? I, I, I can't. I mean, uh, unless I'm absolutely mistaken this is definitely unprecedented. All right.
2: It's not selfish, and and what I did want to get from you, though, is because you are so involved in this, because it seems like a story not only that you want to tell, but that you need to tell. Uh, where does that need come from, or am I mistaken? Uh,
4: no, it does. I mean, you know, a big part of it is um, uh, you know, like, like I said, or you even just said, you know, 20 years of being in pre-production. You know, all of those those unproduced screenplays and with any of those screenplays I did so much research and you know I'm a little bit of a uh, New York City history buff you know my family uh, my grandparents came from Hell's Kitchen so I became a bit of a Hell's Kitchen history buff and the Irish sort of history in Hell's Kitchen Um, and given that my dad uh, was a cop and I come from a cop family I've always been like an NYPD buff so I, just for fun, you know, like my, uh, you know, the reading I like to do is, you know, a lot of nonfiction that has to do with New York City, its neighborhoods, and, you know, um, cops and gangsters, and, you know, and then also a lot of fiction that relates to, you know, those types of characters, and and sort of that New York City mythology and folklore. So these are the things that, you know, are just my obsessions. Um, You know, Scorsese has a great line about, you know, your... Uh, the job of the filmmaker is to uh, to make your obsessions to make the audience uh, as obsessed with your obsessions as you are um, so you know it makes the writing uh, e- you know easy in a way because it's something that's fun for you you know you're, you're, you're just so passionate about it so that need to tell the story probably just comes from um, th- these are the things uh, that obsess me and that interest me uh, the, you know, I mean, just uh, case in point, today I'm, you know, I'm walking home from a, a lunch meeting I had, and I go past the old police headquarters, um, which is over on Center Street in New York. And, you know, now it's been turned into condos, but I, I've walked past the backside of it, and that's where they used to, you know, when someone got arrested, that's where they brought them down to you know, first get, you know, uh, fingerprinted and booked. So, of course, I'm looking at that, thinking about next season and, oh, I've got to work this building into season two because it still looks the same. So, you know, that that's, you know, you walk, I live here, you walk around the city, there isn't a street corner or a block that doesn't trigger some thought that is somehow connected to this story.
3: So, as you said, your father was a cop. Did you grow up wanting to be a cop or were you always a writer?
4: And, uh, no, always a writer. My dad kind of, um, you know, I showed some ability as a young kid, and uh, he definitely pushed me in that direction. Uh, and, but you know, and my mom was like a theater buff, so would take me into the city to see Broadway shows, and then later turned me on to movies. And so we definitely, you know, we were we grew up surrounded by cops, mm-hmm. and definitely sort of obsessed with, you know, um, cops and their stories. Uh, but I always knew... I, I kind of knew it at an early age it might be more fun to write about them than actually be a cop.
2: <laughs> I, I think that's fair enough. Um, and I i love your obsession because it has totally made us obsessed to the point where we'll be sitting in a room and, and we'll be talking about how upset we are over some of the decisions that these characters have made. Uh, I.E. Christina, we were just talking about what Sean did when Deirdre called him. I mean... What what kind of a what kind of a move is that from him? We weren't expecting that. Are we going to see more uh, of him just rejecting her, or is that story gonna? Is he going to feel bad? Where are we going with that?
4: Well, so that scene—it's like you know the last time uh, you know they they were really together, right? You know she said, "Hey, look, don't run out and get a ring anytime soon." Mm-hmm. And you know then he shows up and to her apartment after he's had the shooting and she's got some other dude up in the room. So that's where we've left him. So when she calls, he's like, look, you know, you told me, um, you know, you didn't want anything serious, so, you know, uh, I'm not taking your call. He doesn't know, what we know. Um, So I felt like his reaction, you know, was, was justified, but also at the same point, it's like, it wouldn't even matter if it's justified because really what you're trying to do is just create you know, real characters who are complicated and complex, and a lot of times, that you know, they're making the worst decisions, like any of us do. Um, and uh, but to answer the second part of your question, uh, in that that eleventh episode, um, she shows up at his apartment um, and basically says, "Hey, you, you know, uh, I, you you can't avoid me. We need to talk." And they go out, and then she explains to him what's going on.
3: Interesting, very interesting. Now, I mean, you keep bringing up this eleventh episode. I really just, really just want to see it now. I don't know if we can wait. I think that's (laughs) his goal. I know, I know. But it always, I always get so frustrated when I fall in love with shows and then I have to wait forever to see the next season. So, thank you for sharing all the little tidbits with us.
4: Um, Yeah, no, of course, And and we all feel like that is the best episode of the season. So in a weird way, it would have been a great finish, but it's also very exciting to know that we have that good an episode to open up season two.
2: Does that episode help us uh help ease our worries about which characters we can trust and who we can't? Because as you know, on our after show, we're constantly talking about: Do we trust this person? Is this person a plant? What are you doing here, Shay? I just want to know. <laughs> about, yeah, I
1: just want to know about O'Shea. You
4: just want to know Shay, like, oh, um, is-. like
1: you know? It, no, and,
4: and you won't. I mean, part of the fun is. You know, unlike a movie, you know, where you have two hours to tell the story, um, you, ca- you, know, you can have a, a character that is somewhat uh, sort of ambiguous or, or plays in that, that gray space, but eventually at some point, you know, the, the hero has to answer the call and, and become the hero. You know, with this kind of storytelling, and again, I'm new to this, and, and, and a lot of I'm, I'm basing this on what I've responded to as a viewer. Uh, of the shows, you know, these long form shows that I fall in love with, you know, I like the fact that, you know, um, uh, like, who is Terry? Is, is Terry the guy he is at home? And, and is that his moral code? You know, sort of the lessons he's giving James and then sort of the law he lays down there? Uh, or is Terry the guy on the street? And, and how he deals with, you know, gangsters and other cops? So does he is he playing a role at home or is he playing a role on the street? And I think that's a fun thing to play with and and you know and you know maybe I don't ever have to answer that question or maybe I don't answer that question until season four. Um, you know Shay, you'll see sort of who he is by the end of season two. But again, it's uh, we're going to draw that out as long as we can because there's a lot of fun in sort of, um, you know, defying the audience's expectations and, um, and, and, and not making it easy. I mean, I think that's, you know, it's, it's funny, when, when I was writing the show, mm-hmm. I was watching uh, season one of Game of Thrones. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, happened because of that was the show became much more of an ensemble than I probably uh, uh, initially uh, anticipated. You know, I told you I had that big Bible of all these different stories and characters that I I knew I wanted to eventually explore. But when I saw, you know, with Game of Thrones, how many different storylines and how many different characters they introduced, and the fact that, you know, that character we met in episode two, we may not see him again until episode five. Um, That really sort of shaped uh, sort of my approach um, to the storytelling.
2: The reason um, it works is because they I, each have their own identity. Sorry. They each have their own identity. Sorry to, but I, I just think you didn't introduce too many characters. It's great that you followed from Game of Thrones. All of your characters are completely different from one another, so the, it works for the show. Whatever your thought process was, however you got there, it totally worked.
4: Yeah, which is why I think you know it's like um, now that the season is 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 over. Uh, I have been. I'm, I'm excited for people. Uh, to sort of uh, re-watch it or the people who haven't seen it like who get to see it on iTunes because then you, then you, you know, like when you're introducing, let's, let's say even like a character like Rosemary, if you were to watch those 10 episodes over the course of, let's say, a week, I think Rosemary might feel like a very different character to you than watching it over 10 weeks because, you know, you, you meet her once, you don't see her again for almost five weeks, You know, over the course of three nights, you get a different sense, I think, of who she is because she hasn't been out of your life for so long. And I think that's true of a lot of um, a lot of those, let's say, those secondary characters that we've met. Hmm.
2: I I wonder when you're when you're thinking about when you're writing these, is that come into your mind then? Is that something you have to constantly be thinking about how it's going to differ from people who are watching in real time versus people who are watching as a, a binge watch
4: experience? Uh, you know, I wrote it uh, thinking that most people would see it as a binge watch. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of because that's how I watch television. You know, I don't I don't watch any live or appointment viewing or live TV. I mean, I I DVR shows, and then when the season's done, then I just try and knock it off in you know three or four nights. Um. So, but I do think you know, going into season two, I probably need to be mindful of that audience that that doesn't watch the show that way. Um, so, you know, I mean, again, how to do that? I, I couldn't give you an answer, but I definitely know I'll probably be more sort of, uh, you know, aware that there are folks who are, who, you know, given that we're on TNT, are probably watching it week to
1: week. Yeah, you're torturous to us. You can't do that.
2: I, I, I think that we can, we can withstand the torture. I think we can do it. Uh, something we talked about a little earlier, your dad being a cop. I can't help but sometimes watch this show and picture you as little, little Ed Burns and you being like a, a James or one of your son's characters and uh, having a cop as a dad. Terry, how much of this is pulled from your real experiences, your real life, um, and how much of it is just something that you've been creating from from watching other things
4: yeah I mean the only autobiographical stuff um, is the stuff between Terry and James you know those you know that first scene in the pilot where he gets in trouble with the nun and uh, you know I, I have him in the car and I call him a school fool and I tell him how proud I am that he's an idiot that's me and my dad word for word when I'm in the seventh grade um, so that you know uh, that's absolutely... Uh, you know, my childhood. But also, you know, the talk at the end of the night where it's like, hey, you know, like, uh, sorry I'm tough on you, but you are an idiot and you need to make a choice. You're going to continue to behave that way or you're going to go the other way. So, you know, those little things like that, um, uh, you know, the, the bad report card and, and, um, you know, getting drunk and those things. Those are all sort of versions of, um, moments that, you know, me and my brother shared with my father. Wow,
2: it's really interesting to to think about in the future. When I'm watching this, I'm going to wonder which conversations happened and and which conversations uh, are coming from your real life.
4: <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. the, anyway, well, some are word for word, and some we play with and embellish. You know.
2: Well, of uh, yeah, we'll we'll give you that creative uh, liberty. You're you're allowed to embellish. That it is television, uh, but it, it's nice to know that it is grounded in some sense and that these things are actually happening. Um, and I just really want to thank you for calling in And for providing us with a show that Not only was entertaining but was Just such an amazing experience Week after week to watch I'm not only going to be watching Every single uh, week when it comes back But I'll also be binge watching Until it is here So thank you for doing that
4: for us I really appreciate it Nice. Um, well guys, given that you guys do your predictions And all that um, Allow me to ask you a question um. Uh, so you guys clearly know the world and the characters uh, very well who do you as I sort of think about season two like who are you most excited about uh, learning more about or getting more screen time or going deeper with them and then the second part is like what would you say like Uh, you want more of like, Hey, you know what? I love the show, but if you get me more Christine and I want her life, which is something I'm going to do. It's like, who is she? Who are her friends? What are her family? What is she thinking about more of the time? I'm curious as to what your wishes are.
3: Christina, what are you thinking? Well, I really love, uh, first of all, we loved Aaron. We had him on. He was great. And I love Kane. I love that character. But I would be interested to know a little bit more about speaking of flashbacks, maybe another flashback to what Kane, like Cain's life growing up and maybe where he I know that Mr. O kind of took him under his wing as a younger guy, but maybe some other things that he's he's a crazy guy, not quite quite as uh homicidal and uh, you know, as rusty, but it would be nice to see maybe a little bit more about Kane just you know his past and what brought him here, um, and why he's back at Sarah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Why? No, is that-
4: yeah, so yeah. Season two, Kane and Sarah have kind of a thing. I kind um, of felt it coming. Yeah, I felt that coming. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. a little scummy. And it's funny, you guys had that comment that you weren't feeling Hopkins and Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny. I was like, you know what? That scene in the barn should have been Kane and Sarah and maybe Kane coming on to her and how uh, as opposed to spending so much time with her and Hopkins that late into the season.
1: Um, interesting. Interesting. Uh, Mine would be mine would be Sean because he's from Beantown. Number Mm
2: one. Oh, Phil's Uh, obsessed with Sean. Well,
1: (laughs) I mean, you know, uh, I'll, I'll take it a little bit deeper than that. You know, here's a guy who lost a father um, relatively the same age that I lost my father. And not only that, he he ends up killing someone um, with his uncle and, you know, he, he does it in a way that obviously puts them at harm. And so he could have died. And now he's also dealing with rela- uh, this relationship um, or non-existent relationship at the moment. So he's dealing with a lot and we were going strong with him. And then, you know, up until the the finale, I I don't remember moments that we see a lot of him.
2: Yeah, it's a good point. (laughs) I I love that storyline, too.
4: Um, Yeah, you do get... uh, Sean has more to do in season two, and he and Kane, actually, um, uh, have some... uh, like an ongoing beef. hmm. Um, When Aaron was on, you know, he talked about a scene that got cut out, uh, like the one scene that got um, cut out of his... And that was a scene where he and Sean almost come to blows in a bar because Kane uh, says something to D. And remember, they all grew up together in Hell's Kitchen, so yeah. um, that will play with a little bit more of in season two.
2: I can't wait to see that. And Ed, to answer your question about which storylines, there's not a single storyline that I don't want to see more of. Um, and that that's not me BSing you. I honestly, and I just feel very invested in these characters, Uh whether it is a captain or a lieutenant, the lieutenant or all of the people who are on the force and people who are involved in the crime. I'm really interested in the stories that you guys mentioned, but, the one that I think I'm looking forward to the absolute most is what's going to happen with Christine and the kids and, and you because this is a family dynamic. You're potentially moving out of the city she's looking out for her children realizing that's the most important thing and you have this pull to the city and and you kind of to her and you're kind of telling her the truth so that that family that's our core i can't wait to see what happens there and i i don't even have any predictions on it that's the the coolest part for me
1: and uh, for me I, i also want to add uh you know i i find it interesting with um the lieutenant um you know, number one, Ruben has been here a couple times at After Buzz TV and so selfishly, I, I like when he's on TV. <laughs> um, I, You know, so I always want more scenes for him and then obviously him as a black character in this world and the fact that we haven't quite touched upon that, you know, a lot of fans... Are writing about that, like what is that experience like? And it's I think finally
2: mentioned when he says it in, yeah. in the finale, talking about yeah, yeah I, I was appreciative of that too.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that would be of interest. Uh, I know of, to a lot of fans,
2: but also what it's like to be a woman yeah. at the time, and that's, that's why true. I love watching the Christine and the Deirdre storyline. What it what it's like, and the thing, the differences between now and then. So I think it's safe to say that we're fully invested. We're we're down for this ride, and there is not a character we don't want to see more of. Keep keep them all. Are we allowed to do that? Or do we have it. to kill more people off? Are our hearts well, you know, get we broken? do,
4: yeah. I mean
1: You gotta you kill know,
4: some new guys will be introduced and and then some others will be killed off. That's sort of the nature of the show. Oh
3: yeah. Um more killed than introduced, um, introduced though. Yeah, that's true. But that? I I think there's more that are killed than introduced.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. well we had to pare down that big ensemble we started with, you true. know.
2: Oh, well, I, I think that will be okay. There's a, a lot of them that we can, we can kill off. We'll still have a, plenty of them to talk about every single week. Um, Ed, thank you so much again for calling in. I know the people are going to want to keep the conversation going with you until there is an inevitable season two. So where can the people find you in the meantime? Uh, where can they talk to you?
4: Uh, yeah, so Twitter, it's Edward underscore Burns. And then on Instagram, it's Ed Burns.
2: Awesome. Well, we definitely will keep in touch uh, because we can't wait to hear more. And for the final season two uh, announcement, we're very excited. for And we're going to
1: have Aaron set you up with Skype, so next time we can actually Skype instead of just calling. He
2: offered. He said he would he would okay, come cool. Skype. <laughs> <laughs> so
4: thank you, Ed. We well, really, next time, really I mean, it. what we should have done? I was in LA a couple of weeks ago. We should have done it then. But you know, we'll, next next season, I'll make sure I get out there to to actually meet you guys. It will. It will be a ritual.
2: You'll come in every season for the next ten seasons. I, I hope you
4: perfect. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> what we're hoping. All
2: Alright, thank you, Ed, so much again. Um, and you guys at home, don't forget that we are doing a finale for Episode 9 and 10, the two-hour finale, with Brian who plays Shay. We're really excited about that. That's tomorrow night. In the meantime, where can they reach
3: you if they want to talk to you? You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Tina Cap. and for Anna Koppel, who's not here, you can find her at K-O-P-P-E-L-F-O-R-M-A-Y-O-R. Couple from Mayor.
1: And follow us here at Afterbus TV, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget to support our great sponsor DraftKings. go to DraftKings.com. it's no commitment fantasy football use the promo code buzz get in there and potentially win up to a million dollars every single week
2: absolutely and you can find me at roxy stryer i cannot believe we just got to talk to the edward burns one of the best creators um, and stars of of this time he really was amazing so thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you soon